Welcome to Just a Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is Mark Tilson. Mark is president and co-founder of Native American Natural Foods, known for its Tonka brands. A lifelong supporter of Native American causes, Mr. Tilson began working as a volunteer in 1973 for the Wounded Knee Legal Defense Offense Committee, which his parents co-founded. Since that time, he has honed his skills coordinating award-winning, database-driven direct marketing campaigns that have raised funds for Native American educational and environmental organizations. Mark has co-founded several successful community organizations and businesses, including KILI Radio, the Black Hills Alliance, and Direct Expressions. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, and uh, great to be on here and get to know you guys all at Chef's Best. Super. So there is the Tonka Bar, the Tonka Warrior Bar, Tonka Bites, and Tonka Sticks. And all fall into what I think is is probably safe to say the, the jerky category. I know the Tonka Worry Bar has some other uh, elements and, and fruits infused into it. Um, but tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about how the Tonka Bar came to be. All right. Well, the Tonka Bar is actually the original, authentic meat and fruit bar in the category in Native American Natural Foods brought the product to the marketplace 11 years ago. But it actually comes from one of the oldest packaged, fruit, packaged products in North America. It, um, we're a company located on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in southwestern South Dakota, about six hours north of Denver. This is home to the Oglala Lakota people, the people of Red Cloud and Crazy Horse. And these are the people who, who are... Um, a sister nation. They consider themselves a sister nation to the Buffalo Nation. So um, they have a traditional food that they make here on the reservation called wasna, which is the art of using the acid from fruit to pre- preserve meat. Some of your listeners are familiar with the a Cree word called pemmican. Mm. And... Uh, what pemmican and wasna have in common is when you translate them into English, they both literally mean all mixed up or mixing the fruit with the meat. So in creating this product, we learned that tribes all over the world use their high acid fruit, which we, which they would dry, and then they would take whatever protein they had, in this case, buffalo meat, and they would dry it. And then they would pound it together and repackage it in the animal fat of whatever, wherever their protein came from. And that's how they would preserve their um, meat going into the winter when they lived in a feast and famine. So that's the origin of where the Tonka Bar come from. And um, 12 years ago, um, myself and Cardine Hunter, our co-founder, were social entrepreneurs and that we've done a lot of projects on the reservation really we're really working to break the isolation of the reservation and what i mean isolation is that this is um geographically politically and economically one of the most isolated places in north america 100 miles to a grocery store or an airport Unemployment rate's never been lower than 65% the average income is similar to Haiti and so um, we were approached by a group of buffalo producers of could we create an added value product that would help bring more value to them, but also more value to the community. 
And we didn't come at this as foodies. We weren't professional chefs or anything. We came at it as social entrepreneurs trying to figure out how could we create a product that would add value. And I think that really helped us a lot because we introduced a product into the category where there was no category. Tonka Bar actually created what is now referred to as the meat and bar, um, bar snack category before, before all the other big food companies got into it. They're all actually uh, following us, giving us the ultimate compliment of plagiarism. <laughs> and um, that's really the origin of where it came from. Wow. Well, th- thank you for sharing, sharing it. I hadn't, uh, you know, fully appreciated um, uh, kind of the, the process for, I'm trying to avoid the word manufacturing because it, it, I don't think that it does it justice, but of uh, developing and creating uh, a product that can, um, you know, last and be sustainable. And it, it makes sense that it, it is something that, you know, could be carried with someone for, for months or whatnot uh, as, a, as a strong source of protein. Um, it, so is is let's, let's talk about buffalo meat a little bit because I'm sure that there's some myths to dispel. Um, a few that I will probably bring to the table by myself. But um, so I have a, a first question: is is buffalo meat uh, you know, considered healthier than than, tradi- than traditional beef? Um, and, and what are kind of the primary differences between buffalo meat and cattle meat? Well. We got to remember, just to understand the history of buffalo in North America, buffalo are a keystone species to our continent. America's grasslands, that the buffalo range that went from central Canada to central Mexico, was the one of the largest largest um, grasslands in the world. It sequestered more carbon, or as much carbon as the rainforest, and it was created by the largest um migrating mammals there were which were buffalo and up until the mid 1800s depending on whose numbers you want to use there were somewhere between 40 and 60 million buffalo in the United, in the lower 48 states wow and we had a government policy when we were trying to subjugate the indians to um to exterminate them and um, so in 1800, excuse me, 1900, there was a federal survey done. There were five herds left, which totaled less than 1,000 animals altogether. So the buffalo have been, they're the first species of animal to ever be restored through entrepreneurship. So the, the buffalo that you're seeing today you know, from tribal entrepreneurship, private ranchers entrepreneurship, and and individuals. That's how we built the herd back up to almost a half a million commercially viable buffalo today. And so buffalo in its natural form, natural buffalo is a very long protein. So it has a very low GI rate, meaning it's a very, very digestible protein and why so many high-end athletes and trainers and and uh, nutritionists want their customers to use buffalo is this is considered one of the most digestible proteins there are. So each Tonka bar, which is 70 calories and 7 ounces of protein, that that premium protein will make it all the way to your muscle. The other thing is that buffalo is extremely lean. 
has less cholesterol than sockeye salmon or skinless chicken. So it's an extremely um, healthy buffalo, and it's extremely healthy protein. It's very high in omega-3s and omega-6s and iron and vitamin C. And northern plains bison is also very, very high in selenium. So it's a it's a it's a product that comes from our natural environment. When we restore buffalo to the prairie, we're actually restoring the prairie itself because the biodiversity of the prairie returns as the buffalo return. And now, like on the Pine Ridge Reservation, the Ogallasu tribe has some areas where haven't been a cow on there since the mid-'80s. And the biodiversity, um, the ability of that soil to hold its moisture and sequester carbon and sequester carbon and to be able to be prepared for the extreme changes we now have in climate because as the climate changes, it's it's a you know very resilient um, 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 species that are actually part of of this ecosystem. So it's a, it there is nothing um, more sustainable and regenerative than putting b- buffalo back on the prairie. Wow, um, my my eyes are popping a little bit with some of the facts, figures, and context that you've provided. So let me let me start with a quick summary. To, so there are forty to fifty million buffalo at one time, and and as you said, there was pretty much a sanctioned uh, attempted extermination uh, that existed. Um, but now it's been restored, at least from um, you know a commercial standpoint. And I'm curious a little bit more uh, to learn a little bit more because I know this is important to a lot of people. Um, in that, you know, a lot of a lot of individuals, at least I personally know, uh, are, are vegans um, because of the environmental effects of cattle, uh, which I don't pretend to fully understand. Um, but I think what I'm hearing from you is that. Uh, you know, buffalo can be raised in a far more environmentally sustainable and inarguably beneficial way than cattle are raised, uh, which, which again, apparently have a, a long list of, 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 you know, reasons to be environmentally concerned. Could you shed a little bit more light on that? Because I know that's an important topic out there, particularly to young people that are turning away from uh, traditional cattle beef and, and perhaps... Buffalo could be something that they could embrace if you if you could explain it a little bit more. I think, I think we have to separate what we'll call industrial cattle production from grass fed um, buffalo or grass fed beef. Okay, and you have to start by understanding. You know, a lot of people want to have a a fight between uh, plant based foods and meat based uh, meat based foods. And in reality, is you can't have prairie, which is essential ecosystem, without grazers. You know, grazers have created this prairie. Creators created this natural grass. America only has three percent of its natural grassland that's never been plowed. Mm. And remember, we're American Indian Company, and part of our goal is the tribes are the ones who've been protecting this natural prairie. Almost half of the virgin prairie in America is still on Indian land. So you're exactly right that industrial meat production, uh, along with most industrial production of food, consumes enormous amounts of water and consumes enormous amounts of of, um, petro- of, of petroleum chemical uh, 
those chemicals and energy in order to produce. When you allow buffalo to be buffalo and raise them in as much wild environment as you can and be patient with the buffalo, they're a very regenerative species. They'll both, um, in our particular case, they're both restoring the prairie, its natural environment, but we also it's also part of cultural revitalization and economic revitalization. When you have an unemployment rate that's never been lower than 65%, it's pretty easy to make an argument that the last time there was a functioning economy, it was buffalo-based. Mm. Now, we're not naive in saying, well, we're all going back to the buffalo, but we realize in order to build regenerative, healthy communities that the buffalo are a part of that community. Indian people have always lived um, with the buffalo, and the buffalo have created this ecosystem that we're all trying to preserve and protect. So they are very, very essential. They use less water. Like, for instance, um, if you went through, walked through, if you and I were in an airplane right now, we were flying over a range unit, and we looked down at a riparian area, we'll notice the ones where the buffalo are. The riparian area is beautiful, and it's not full of dead air because the buffalo will pass through it and drink water several times a day. As we fly over a cattle ranch, everything around the water area have been killed by this domesticated cattle that just stays at the water. So the fact that they move and their shape of their hoof and um, the fact they eat different plants at different types and that they eat the tops of the grasses and they don't... um, up, pull up the grasses. Everything about them is regenerative and restorative. And so the um, the thing we have to understand is that buffalo is a little teeny industry. Every day there are more cows um, harvested at USDA harvest facilities in the United States than there are buffalo harvested in a year. Hmm. So it's really important when the consumer goes in to buy buffalo and they have a little price shock and say, wow, this is over $10 a pound, that they're doing more than just buying protein here. They're actually restoring the prairie and fighting climate change and creating new opportunities for people who've been denied opportunity. And, you know, they're they're doing a lot more than giving them their own family or their own body this incredibly nutritionist, great-tasting tonka bar. They're actually doing something much even larger than that. Mm. I'm not sure if I've heard more of a win-win-win argument all around than than what you just uh, stated right there. Um, Well, you know, from from tragedy and, and, you know, there's the Buffalo have a tragic history. You know, we all grew up being, you know, learning the songs and the little short stories about as the buffalo were gone. And it was, I was in my late teens before I understood that the buffalo are still here and still among us and coming back. And, you know, I feel a bit honored that I've been able to have a job that helps me help them because when we go back and we look at the mistakes we've made as a society, one of them was to attack this keystone species um, and almost almost bring it to the verge of extinction. We've never had a species pay its own way back from extinction with its own blood before. And, you know, the buffalo have literally paid their own way back. I mean, in recent times, we have 
conservation herds, and there are, I don't know, 25 or 30,000 buffalo in national parks. But the vast majority of buffalo are actually on tribal ranches, tribal herds, and individual entrepreneurial herds. And um, so it's really important that the consumer kind of get this and understand this. It's almost like the difference of buying wild-caught salmon from a native um, fisherman doing a, doing a sustainable harvest as buying you know farm farm salmon that's damaging the ocean i mean the real difference here when you're going when you're making that consumer choice you're spending a little bit more for both the quality for your own body and your own family but you're also changing the way your dollars impact our earth and i have to admit i haven't thought of um Buffalo meat in that way. I, your your analogy of salmon re- resonates directly with our family as we we, we happen to choose to um, to avoid uh, farm raised. Uh, and I, and I want to make a, a maybe a small confession here that uh, might help uh, might help moving forward too. Which is, as you mentioned, there's the kind of the folklore of the buffalo. I actually thought prior to a few minutes ago, uh, Mark, that. It may make sense to avoid buying buffalo because in my head, it was, this is an extinct species or always on the verge of extinction and, you know, you know let, kind of a let them live type thing. So I, I was not aware, uh, and I would suspect a lot of listeners might share this, which is that, you know, it's actually <clears throat> sustainable, um, you know, socially conscious when I actually thought it was perhaps the opposite that, oh no, there's only a few thousand of them around. Uh, I shouldn't be so selfish as to purchase Buffalo meat. So uh, I, I, I want to just offer that I was completely wrong in my perception of, um, of what, you know, purchasing it could be. So I have a question related to that. Um, you, you've been, it, it, so if I purchase Buffalo meat, that is, um, you know, there's ground Buffalo meat as a substitute for, you know, cattle hamburger meat, for an example, um, you, you are saying that, you know, there's a very, very high probability and perhaps it's 100% that that Buffalo meat, uh, was raised, uh, you know, on a reservation and, and provides a consumer an opportunity to, to lift up, um, you know, lift up entire, um, you know, segments of our, our society. Is that, is that correct? Well, um, probably not in that, you know, there are many, many families, um, who raised buffalo and one of the reasons that we created the Tonka Fund is that being is that we come from a very impoverished um community which whose land is held in federal trust by the federal government in order for people to have access to their own land to raise buffalo and have fencing and have water uh, enough water we use our donations to the Tonka Fund to get more and and provide technical assistance to get more and more people into raising buffalo. But your bigger point is true that it's a little bit, um, you know, when you're thinking about buffalo and you think, well, we need to preserve these beautiful species, we have no federal, there is no government program or foundation program to restore them. There are a few conservation groups that restore some prairie and some buffalo, which 
we work with and are very supportive of. But the reality is, if we don't eat them, they uh, there's no income for those families. When we were trying to create the Tonka Bar, we spent a lot of time talking to traditional people in the in the Native American community, and some of the medicine men told us that, well, buffalo are sacred because they give life. And if you guys doing this can get more of our young people back into eating buffalo and eating healthy foods and understanding where their food come from, then you're helping the buffalo do why it's sacred, which is the giver of life, both to the prairie and to the people. And that lesson really helped me to understand this question that you're addressing, which is for them to fulfill their role, both traditional role and ecological role, we do need to eat them. And it's part of the tragedy of being, you know, what did Michael Poland says? It's the omnivore's dilemma Mm -hmm. that, you know, we do need to eat these animals, but if we eat them that are raised in a natural way that are part of restoring the buffalo, I believe it's restorative to the local economies, to local communities, to that prairie, but it's also restorative to our own bodies and our own families. We've made a a very compelling case uh, and and provide a lot of education for us to to consider and think about our our purchasing and consumption habits. I want to make sure that our listeners know um, how they can, uh, you know, both learn more uh, and also purchase the product. So I'll, I'll start with mentioning uh, tonkabar.com, T-A-N-K-A-B-A-R.com. Uh, it, it looks, I believe that you can purchase products directly on there. And uh, I want to also make sure that it gets mentioned the tonkafund.org. So it's again, T-A-N-K-A fund.org. Uh, you can learn more about how it's, a, you know, helping to return Buffalo to the land diets and economies of the American Indian people. Uh, is there any other, uh, you know, where, where can folks find this at, at retail as well um, to be able to purchase well, Of course, it's a very, store. very popular product on Amazon. You can always go directly to Amazon. When you're on Tonkabar.com on the top, there's a store finder, and you can enter your zip code and find whether it's natural grocers or some of the Safeways, like in, in the West Coast and the Southwest have it, Rayleigh's out there. Um, all the REIs in the country have it. Um, of course, it's in Whole Foods. And um, so if you, when you're on Tonkabar.com, up on top where the store finder is, just put your zip code in, and it will show the, you know, the local ones. And um, you're also very welcome to come to Tonkabar.com or check us out on Amazon as well. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to hopefully spread the word and do that. I'll mention Facebook as well. Uh, Tonka Talk, uh, if I could t- say that properly, it's a T-A-N-K-A-T-A-L-K is how um, Tonka Bar's uh, seat there on Facebook as well. Where um, uh, We'd we love to visit with you folks. We'd love to hear reviews after people have had a bite of it. And, you know, since we created this product, there's a lot of big um, food companies who come into this category and I think it's really important that um, the people like your listeners who really care about their food and where their food come from understand that this is really the original, authentic product in the category. 
And I think if you guys ever were to do a blind taste test, I'm very confident we would win. Just taste, just just from watching people taste our product and our competitors, um, I think we've created the best formulations and the best flavors, and I'm pretty proud of it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Mark. Uh, hopefully, we can spread the word and and help make a difference in uh, you know all that you're doing as well. So, thank you very much. Well, thank you, and thank you for your time, and like thank your listeners for wanting to learn more about Tonka. Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.